0: G'day you mob, Pete here, and this is another episode of Aussie English, the number one place for anyone and everyone wanting to learn Australian English. So, today I have a GOSS episode for you where I sit down with my old man, my father, Ian Smithson, and we talk about the week's news, whether locally down under here in Australia or (laughs) non-locally, overseas, in other parts of the world. Okay, and we sometimes also talk about Whatever comes to mind, right? If we can think of something interesting to share with you guys related to us or Australia, we also talk about that in The Goss. So, these episodes are specifically designed to try and give you content about many different topics where we're obviously speaking in English and there are multiple people having a natural and spontaneous conversation in in English. So, it is particularly good to improve your listening skills. In order to complement that, though, I really recommend that you join the podcast membership or the Academy membership at AussieEnglish.com.au where you will get access to the full transcripts of these episodes, the PDFs, the downloads. And you can also use the online PDF reader to read and listen at the same time. Okay. So, if you really, really want to improve your listening skills fast, Get the transcript, listen and read at the same time, keep practising, and that is the quickest way to level up your English. Anyway, I've been rabbiting on a bit. I've been talking a bit. Let's just get into this episode, guys. Smack the bird and let's get into it. G'day, you mob. Welcome to this episode of The Goss. Dad, what's The Goss? Sorry, just
1: get myself settled here. Hey, we're Dad's- still in lockdown, uh, well, semi-lockdown, <laughs> but uh, as you can see, I'm not out in the wilderness. It's in, in the, the bush. bush the previous episodes, <laughs> that's just a photograph as Zoom, and if I move side to side, if I put, hang on, I've got an empty glass here, but if I put this up, you get these sort of weird, I just disappear into the, um, so it's, it's, it's not legitimate background,
0: but if uh, only. yeah,
1: good to be online, Pete.
0: I know, I know, we should have organised this sooner. Um, yeah, well, we it's kept been thinking difficult. that
1: this is only going to last a few days, so we'll be able to get together again, and it didn't.
0: <laughs> so. <laughs> exactly. So, um, what's today's episode, Dad? You, you're going to do the previously? old um,
1: yeah, dinner party guest. Who would you like to have for dinner, and why?
0: Yeah, so mine is Ben along.
1: Oh, cool! Yeah, that's a follow up <laughs> we did after Philip last time. So exactly. you're doing the indigenous.
0: <laughs> well, and it's not a piecemeal kind of thing. Like, I was thinking, you know, oh, should I do an Indigenous person? Oh, people will think I'm just sort of like, you know, throwing them a bone and trying to be inclusive or whatever. And it's like, no, I thought of Ben Along because- So, effectively, he was one of the first Indigenous people to learn English, the first Indigenous people in Australia to learn English. Yeah. I think the story- And correct me if I go wrong, but Arthur Phillip and everyone colonised in about whatever it was, 1788. 1788. Yeah, yep, They went to, to Sydney Cove in Port Jackson. Um, and effectively, the, these guys were the Iroa clan or part of the Eroa clan, and they're the Indigenous people who first came in contact with the first colonists. And to bridge this gap, you know, I think it was King George III at the time, back in Britain, had told Arthur Philip not to show any sorts of violence or anything towards yeah. Indigenous people because it was it was incredibly important to develop a relationship because they knew that it was going to be you know very difficult for them to organize a colony there and survive and have enough food. The last thing they wanted was you know hostile they have thousands of hostile going on people yeah. coming in and trying to kill everyone and so but, but ironically, right Arthur phillip i think I think he catches he captures what's the name of the guy? There was a different one, a different indigenous person Colby he catches first I think. Mm. And Colby ends up escaping and bailing for obvious reasons. <laughs> and so, he then ends up catching Benelong. He may have caught him with Colby, but effectively, Benelong is the one who stays and ends up mm. learning enough English so that he can then develop this go-between relationship. Yeah, well, he was- well, he, he
1: basically decided, this is all right. They feed <laughs> me. They house me they give me clothes they treat me like a king in comparison with the rest of his the rest of his uh, his people so uh, yeah who knows what his motivation was but you get that suspicion that um, benelong had decided that okay i got nothing to lose here you know i'm being treated well
0: well and that's it so part of wanting to bring him to dinner and have a chat with him would be to understand these interactions through his eyes mm. what it was that the him and and his clan and the the broader indigenous community were thinking what did they think of arthur Phillip and these people coming originally what how did that change over time when did it sort of click that they were like ooh yeah, this I mean, is a not really going home.
1: Yeah. well that's <laughs> it. and
0: then i think that Smallpox hit in 1789, right? The the year or two after they colonized and wiped out a shitload of yeah. the indigenous population because obviously the Europeans had this sort of resistance to it in comparison to the indigenous population that were effectively naive completely to any of these European diseases and so uh, I think a huge amount of their population ends up being exterminated effectively un- unknowingly, I imagine, yeah. because you know, there was no germ theory back then. But it would have been so interesting to be like, you know, what was life like when you grew up? Um, what did what did you do? What what was Australia like? What were the animals like? What were the mm. what was the relationships like? The languages around you, you know, the, I would love to know those sorts of things. Yeah, but then also, your, what was your
1: sort of day to day lifestyle and yeah, relationships within your small group and then between groups and yeah, you know, cultural things would be great to know from people who had not seen Europeans before. Well, uh, I think tragically, tribe.
0: I don't know if we do kind of know quite a lot about these people, but superficially. So, yeah. we know quite a lot about the Eroa because the um, colonists got their first insight in interacting with them, but it's from the European side. We don't yes. know anything yeah. from yeah. from the Indigenous side. And then within a few short years or decades, the Eroa are pretty much gone, right? All of those Indigenous people are either pushed out and separated into other areas or they've been um, they've, they've lost their language. They've lost their culture because they've effectively become ghettoized or, or, or just died. But yeah. Enelong is interesting because he and what was the name of the other guy? His, his friend Yamara Wane um, are the first indigenous people to go back to England and they traveled with Arthur Phillip on the Atlantic back to England in, ni- in 1792. Yes. So, four years after having been kidnapped effectively, I think, what, they were like handcuffed or tied up somewhere for weeks, being fed and taken care of and then taught English. Only four years later, he ends up on a boat, you know, on, a- on this huge vessel that they would have been like, what the actual fuck, you know, yeah. is this <laughs> exactly. is this thing in the water? And then suddenly he finds himself on that thing for months, Mm. heading to the other side of the planet for the first time, for any Indigenous Australian, I would imagine, unless some of them were kidnapped by other Europeans or other groups previously, and it was never documented. But so, he ends up going back to England for almost three years with Yamarawane um, and Potentially meeting the king, I, I think they don't know for sure if he actually met. Yeah, um, I would imagine he would have. That he was
1: that was the um, the sort of superficial story that has been passed down is that oh, and yeah. he even met the king. But I think that is probably um, apocryphal. Um, mm. I think it's it's a nice story to have. It may have happened, but I, yep. I have yet- I have not seen any documentary evidence that it did.
0: I think um, part of the reason they believe that is because once they arrived, he suddenly got all this really expensive expensive clothing yeah. that is the kind of clothing you would have given someone if they were about to go to something very, very special. But yeah, that they don't have any firsthand <laughs> evidence of whether or not he actually met the king, though it is mm-hmm. a cool story. Tragically, whilst they're there, Yamarawane ends up being the first Indigenous person to die in Great Britain from a yeah. chest infection. And it is funny, I think Benelong's health deteriorated whilst he was there, too, probably because, you know, England at the time, especially London, would have been a shithole, right? Yes, like, it would have been, exactly you know, right. The, the start of the industrial age, there would have been dead animals and feces in the streets, like lots of sick people, a lot of poverty, um, a lot of convicts on boats. Yes. <laughs> so, it, that would have been the other part that I would have loved to have spoken to him about, would be what- Why on earth did you want to go back? Although. I, I imagine from my point of view, it's kind of like- It's kind of like the movie- What's the movie with Jodie Foster? Is it First Contact or something? Where uh, she, yeah, she's yeah. willing to to go to the other side of a black hole and see aliens effectively. Yeah. And and so, this is this sort of trope that comes up in science sci-fi all the time where you have a choice between leaving your home yes. and effectively li- living with pat- the aliens-
1: Yeah, you're never going to get home again. But you
0: get to see what's on the other side and you yeah. get to kind of have that curiosity satiated at the price of not being able to tell anyone. Mm. <laughs> and so I imagine it must have been like that for him, where he would have been taken aback by all of this technology, you know, all of these these weird clothes, guns, um, houses, all this stuff that he would have seen in Sydney and that, that he would have been told and would have had this feeling of this is just the tip of the iceberg. What the yeah. hell? You keep telling me about what's back home in England and what the rest of the world's like, but I have no real understanding of that. So, I imagine that he would have been, obviously, a really interesting person, personality wise, and must have been really curious and, um, you know, just I, from- I think it was What contentious book. Uh, yes. I think you get to sort of see what his personality was quite like, uh, you yeah. know, That's that he a fair was- A risk
1: taker, I would have thought.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, that would have been amazing. I. There are a few TV shows, I think, where they've kind of done this sort of thing where they've taken Indigenous people from, uh, I think it was Papua New Guinea, and they've taken them out of the bush, effectively, and brought them to the UK right. and had them live with, uh, you know, upper class families and stuff, and then just film, film what happens. <laughs> so I'm sort of like, <laughs> what do you guys make of this? Yeah. And so I imagine it would have been like that but even further you know it, it just would have been insane but yeah what do you think
1: Yeah I I agree with you I think it would be a really interesting conversation to have with uh, about that from the from, and you've mentioned it both from the just an understanding of so we could get an understanding of what life was like for in the indigenous people around that first colonization you know event um what their life was like before it, what they were thinking when it happened, and then what you know life was like during and after that, uh, but then also that you know going back to England and you know the what the fuck were you thinking you know, it's just like really yeah uh, but yeah, I, I think it's right it's that it's that risk-taking thing it's just I't nothing to lose yeah, this is it's, they've treated me all right for three and a half years or four years, I might as well. Yeah, why not jump on this ship? <laughs> I'm sure he'd been on the ship before anyway, uh, on, on a ship before, but um yeah, it, it'd be a really interesting um sort of window into um a part of our history that we just don't have. Um uh, then because you're right. And even even what is recorded of Ben Along telling people, you never know. You know yeah, he, he's He's clearly social. He's the centre of attention. He's—you don't know if he's bullshitting of the governor. Yeah. He could be just spilling yarns the whole time um, about <laughs> him, his life, and everybody else. He could be telling the truth, but you're never going to know which you know which side of the fence it falls on. Um, so, um, but yeah, it would it would be interesting—an interesting dinner party guest. Would
0: have been well, interesting
1: dinner party guest to put in uh, with Arthur Phillip as well.
0: Exactly, Sit and that's and what I was the thinking two
1: too. Of them their lives.
0: Because you know. I think, was it the- I don't know if it was the capture of Benalong, but he ends up- Arthur Philip ends up getting speared when yeah, he goes- Yeah, was that event, but it was another one. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. c- he- Does he go to try and reunite with Benalong at a, a bay within- Yeah, um, I can't
1: remember. Um, ...Port the Jackson,
0: story. and there's yeah. a certain- There's a corroboree or something happening, and one of the Indigenous people that he had captured had run off. Mm-hmm. It may be Coolaby. It may have been him. And effectively, one of the other Indigenous people there sees him and spears him in the shoulder as yeah. payback, you know, of like, you know, fuck you, dude. This is yeah. what happens when you kidnap one of ours. Yeah. And Arthur Phillip has the wherewithal to kind of not retaliate, to tell everyone yeah. Uh, yeah. that that was fair, like, yeah. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know. And so, again, it would be amazing to hear about from both sides, Arthur's and, and Benelong's, that that learning of one another's cultures mm. and, and and to actually have a better understanding of. Of what they thought of one another, did they have a mutual respect for one another? Did they actually not like each other's cultures? Like, because you just have no idea, right?
1: Yeah, and and for I suspect for probably a few years, the indigenous people were thinking that this is uh, this is ephemeral. They're not going to stay here. This yeah, a bunch of people they just turned up. Eh, they'll pack up and go home.
0: Well, you know. loads of them did, right? And it's then the next the, lot came. The colony stayed. Yeah, and the
1: next lot came, though, and then, yeah. uh-oh.
0: You can imagine that, the next Arthur lot. being like, yeah, no, no, all of us are leaving, but the the convicts, the trash that we brought here, yeah, they're staying, exactly. they're staying. <laughs> what was the other interesting thing that I wanted to mention here? Oh, y- the other really cool thing about learning about the early stages of colonisation in Australia is just the lack of population, the, the limited number of characters that are there. So. One of the interesting things I found when I was reading about Benelon going back to England is that he stayed with- um, What's his name? Let me just find his first name. Henry Waterhouse. And I talked about Henry Waterhouse in one of the recent modules about Merino sheep, because Henry Waterhouse is the guy who ends up bringing the first Merino sheep to Australia from the Cape of Good Hope. And he is effectively the person who began the modern day Australian wool and meat industry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as the a wool result industry with merinos, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and so Benelong stayed with him in England because he went back. You know, yeah. So it is just funny how you see they they all knew one another and had connections. Oh, of course they did, yeah, yeah.
1: Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. realistically, you know, Benelong was not going to be out there, you know, <laughs> banging elbows and drinking rum with the uh, you know, the convicts. Uh, he was at the dinner table with the governor and whoever the governor has. And there was, there was only a couple of dozen you know, sort of you know, senior yeah. military people and um, wealthy, you know, certainly past the first fleet, yeah, uh, you know, wealthy um, settlers who would come out uh, that would have been sitting around the governor's table. So uh, he would have been treated like one of the uh, aristocracy.
0: Well, that would have been really interesting to unpick too, right? The racial tensions, as well as class differences that existed, because I'm sure that the upper class aristocracy saw themselves as better than the Indigenous people, but they also saw them- or at least, you know, more sophisticated, more educated, more knowing, Mm. but they also would have had the same view of the convicts, right? These people are filth, they're effectively criminal trash. But then the convicts would have seen Indigenous people who they probably saw as below them, you know, with the governor- Yeah, having dinner at the governor's (laughs) table. (laughs) And then it would be like, what were the day to day interactions like? Mm. Did you have- Because, again, it's easy to paint people historically as just, you know, all the Europeans were racist pieces of trash, all the convicts were criminal pieces of trash, all the Indigenous people hated the invaders. But I'm sure that it was so much more complicated than that. And it would yes. have been just grey, right? You would have had Indigenous people who were good and bad. You would have had convicts who were good and bad. And the same with, with some of the upper class um, aristocracy there as mm. well. And so, it would be really interesting to see, you know, how did you navigate that? How, how did you just insert yourself into effectively European life in the colony? And then what was it like kind of getting to know your place? Because it would be just as foreign for me to get, get out there and live with an Indigenous clan or group of people and have to work out how a life works Mm. in that. And and who would have had an easier job, right? Because it is funny that we do have stories of people like um, Buckley going away and living with Indigenous people for three decades, three and a half decades. And you're kind of like, he would be another one to have dinner with. Yes. (laughs) And then be like, you know, what the hell was it like? Was it easy? Was it hard? You know, was it stressful? Did you come up against moral and ethical issues? Or did you just navigate it smooth sailing? So, yeah. Cool. Good one. Awesome. Anyway, thanks, guys. And uh, we will see you next time. See ya. Peace. Alrighty, you mob. Thank you so much for listening to or watching this episode of The Goss. If you would like to watch the video, if you're currently listening to it and not watching it, you can do so on the Aussie English channel on YouTube. You'll be able to subscribe to that. Just search Aussie English on YouTube. And if you're watching this and not listening to it, you can check this episode out also on the Aussie English podcast, which you can find via my free Aussie English podcast application on both Android and iPhone. You can download that for free, or you can find it via any other good podcast uh, app that you've got on your phone, Spotify, podcast from iTunes, Stitcher, whatever it is. I'm your host, Pete. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you have a ripper of a day, and I will see you next time. Peace.